Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by Local Line. Local Line is an e-commerce platform that helps farmers and local food suppliers direct market their products online, access new markets, and stay organized. Local Line is offering listeners of the Rural Woman Podcast a free 30-day trial of their software and a free premium feature with your first year subscription. Visit go.localline.ca slash ruralwoman to get started. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Lori Trigg. Lori is a grassroots bison rancher in rural Alberta. Along with her husband, Chad, and their three kiddos, Lori owns and operates Backwoods Buffalo Ranch. As a self-proclaimed Jill of all trades, Lori and her family raise pure plains bison, pastured pork, laying poultry, performance horses, and have found themselves dappling in homegrown dairy, broiler birds, farm-to-table produce, and recently bought a nanny goat. Guys, that's a lot of things. (laughs) In recent months, Backwoods Buffalo Ranch has seen a major increase in their amount of customers looking to purchase directly from their farm, which has kept Lori not only busy, but also super excited for the future. I am very excited for you guys to meet Lori. She is just a light. She is just awesome. And I love her so much. So we actually got to speak all the way back in April. So it's been a while since I've spoken to Lori. And recently, Lori had a little bit of an accident and broke her ankle. So Lori, I'm thinking of you. You look great in your wheelchair. I'm sorry that the animals don't agree with that. (laughs) If you guys have been following Lori on social media previously to this, She's been trying to help out on the farm as much as possibly she can with a big broken ankle and she's doing a fabulous job. Lori, you are a rock star. (laughs) Before we get to our interview today, let's go over the review of the week. So this week's review comes from Gorgeous Goat via Apple Podcast. Love the name. (laughs) And the five-star rating and review is titled Stealth Support. Whenever I listen to a new episode, I am reminded how many strong and confident women are in the agriculture community. It's a nice boost of support. P.S. The online community is great too. Keep the episodes coming. Well, thank you so much for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And like I say every week, if you guys are loving the show, please leave a rating and review wherever you listen to the show and you can hear your kind words on an upcoming episode. So without further ado, my friends, let's get to Lori's interview. Hi, Lori. How are you? I am great. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited that you asked me to be on here. I'm honored, actually. Well, I am so excited to chat with you and learn more about your operation. So for the listeners who are unfamiliar with you, give us a brief introduction of who you are and tell us where you're from. So my name is Lori Trigg and I am from Marisorp, Alberta. I am a mom of three and we raise bison, pork, and chickens. And the bison is obviously the thing here that I want to talk 
a lot about because I don't know anything about them. <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not the only one. And it's not something that's, you know, typically common. It's usually cattle and pig and sheep and whatever else. But I'm so excited to dig more into your knowledge on bison and how you guys started into that. But before we get into the nitty-gritty, tell us how you got your start in agriculture. Was this something that you were born into or did you marry into it? So I was actually born on a beef operation. My parents started farming like many, many moons ago. I'm from rural Manitoba to begin with, and we raised beef, and then my dad got into quarter horses. So for the majority of my younger years, we raised Hereford cattle and then had a Angus beef operation. And a bit of a feedlot, he was one of the first people to start rotational grazing in Manitoba, which is really cool. I remember as a kid, we always had farm tours and stuff at our farm. And it was really neat, like people just coming on buses, just kind of to see what we were doing and that kind of thing. And then we got into quarter horses. And it was pretty crazy. So basically, we got out of beef um, when BSC hit, and my dad moved to raising quarter horses. So that is how I was born and raised, and it was a super, super cool upbringing, and I'm just really proud to come from the agricultural industry from the ground up. For sure. It's in your blood. It is in my blood, yes. <laughs> so tell us how on earth Backwood Buffalo Ranch came to be then. Okay. So Chad was also born into agricultural, like the agricultural industry. He was raised on a beef operation, a smaller beef operation, much as ours. And we bought Backwoods Buffalo Ranch in 2013. It was just two quarters of land that was fully bison fenced. So we moved here and Chad told me, oh, I think that we should get bison. And I was like, mm, no, <laughs> I am not into bison. I am not doing that. I want to raise some sort of animal that I can ride, like my horses, out into the pasture, move them in, do that kind of thing. And he's like, no, I think we're going to get bison. Like, we have the whole setup because there's a handling system that was already there. The entire property is fenced, right? So I was like, nope putting my guard up, not doing bison. So then, like, probably a month or two later, he tells me, yeah, I bought 10 bison. <laughs> like, like, what? You bought 10 bison? Like, you didn't even ask me. So we literally started with 10, like, younger cows and one herd bull. And then we've just been building it up since then. And it's so funny because I was so against it in the beginning. And now I am like the bison lady. Like people ask me all the time, like so many things about bison. And I just love them so much. Like I could not imagine our farm raising anything else. Like sure. we raise a lot of different things, but the bison are the main thing. Yeah. That is so interesting. And good for Chad for just going out and doing it. <laughs> I guess the craziest thing about it is the property that we bought, it was fully, like, bison fenced because a lady named Ruth, 
and her husband that lived in Edmonton somewhere, they planned for it to be their, like, escape from the city and, like, their weekend home. And so they fully fenced it, and they had a herd of bison out here before we had even bought the property. And then they ended up having to sell it, and all they wanted, they had it up for sale for a long time. So this is kind of a crazy story, but they had it up for sale for a long time. And all they wanted to do was sell it to a young couple who would ultimately have bison. And we got to meet her when we were buying the property, And she was like, well, what do you guys plan to raise? And I was like, oh, probably beef. (laughs) She she was like, oh, okay. And then she ended up selling it to us. And then when she found out that we actually got our first herd of bison, she ended up giving us, like, coming out on a weekend and bringing us all of the things that she had from her bison. Like, all of these cool old books and, like, all of her, like, doctoring supplies and stuff that were specific to bison and it was so cool that is so neat and that's so cool that she had such a connection to bison that she just ultimately wanted her property to go to a young couple who would continue the bison tradition on that piece of land that's very cool yes absolutely so what kind of fencing does it take to contain bison it's basically like a game fence that we have surrounding our entire property. And then right now we don't have any like cross fencing. So we have two quarters that are sectioned off by a river. So we always call it the North River Herd and the Cross River Herd. And it's just all open land. So they get to roam in their natural, complete habitat on an entire quarter, each herd does. You can cross-fence it and stuff and rotational graze bison, but we just don't right now. We're, like, with the size of the herd that we have, we feel like they have enough space to do what they want, and we just kind of let them do their thing. That's very cool. So, Lori, I am totally unfamiliar with bison. And to be frank, this is a conversation that I had with my dad just hours before we started recording this. And I said to him, I was like, I don't think I know what's the difference between a buffalo and a bison. And he says to me, well, Caitlin, you probably shouldn't ask that question. I was like, I'm probably not the only one who gets confused (laughs) between a buffalo and a bison. So can you tell Uh, me what the difference is? (laughs) Yes. Way to put me on the spot, girlfriend. (laughs) I can absolutely tell you the difference between a buffalo and a bison. So basically, a buffalo is a water buffalo. So when you think about Africa and things like that, that is a water buffalo. You can actually legitimately milk a water buffalo, okay? A bison is more of the... Like, going back to, like, the olden days when, like, animals are running on the terrain kind of thing, that is a bison. A bison is what we raise. We call them buffalo because the term is acceptable in North America to be crossed bison and buffalo. Probably why I've been confused for all of this time, because it's like, do you call them a bison or a buffalo? But that makes complete sense to me now. (laughs) So, like, a bison is, like, the more, 
like old west type of bu- like buffalo. Right. So we refer to them as buffalo because of like the old west kind of terms, but they are like the North American bison, like yeah. the natural bison that was always here. Yeah. Thank you for clearing that up for me, and I will, when we get off of this call, the first call I'm making is to my dad to tell him the difference between a bison and a buffalo. (laughs) Yeah, you definitely do not want to try to milk a bison. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely not. So, Lori, tell us more about raising them and what that experience is like. So, I guess when... I was adamant that we would raise beef. I thought that they would be so much easier because I was raised around it. Chad was raised around them, and I was like, we're very experienced in them. So we're first-generation bison farmers. We were not experienced with them at all. We have a really good friend that had bison, and he said, you guys have bison fencing. You should really, you know, take this up kind of thing. So... (laughs) I just look at it and I'm like, oh, you know, you can't really work bison on horses and stuff that much. You can. A lot of people do. But it is more dangerous. They're a very wild animal. They need to be treated as a wild animal. You can be put into situations that are pretty dangerous when you're working bison. But the beautiful thing about bison is because they are such a wild animal, there is no calving help for them. You are not out there in the middle of winter calving bison. So our herd, like, it may be different for different people in different parts of the, in the world or whatever, but our bison start calving at the end of May, and we had our first calf actually a first, or a couple weeks ago. It was just so cute. It was the earliest calf we've ever had. But they calve on their own. So typically our bison go into the bush. They have all of their calves. We don't see them for two weeks. And then they come back out (laughs) with all of these calves. Bison also eat a lot less. They like to forage, whereas beef need that constant feed throughout the winter. And bison really like to forage and paw and like, just get their own food. They eat a lot of snow, our bison, because they are in captivity, obviously. We have a watering bowl for them, and then we take them bales every couple days, and they're just really easygoing. They're really low maintenance, and for a family like ours, Chad typically works in the oil field so he's away a lot of the time and so a lot of this stuff is put on me to take care of animals so they are just the perfect animal perfect species for us to take care of because with all the other small farm tours and stuff like that they don't need a lot of help or a lot of assistance in what they're doing because they're just doing their own thing right that's so interesting, and I had the thought, like you did before, like cows would be so much easier because they're a bit more tame, but it just sounds like they kind of just take care of themselves, and they're happy if they get some hay and some water, and they're good to go. Right? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. I honestly thought that beef would be so much easier, and then now looking at it, when they're like, you're pulling calves in the middle of winter, and 
like things like that, like tons of bottle babies. It's like not very common to have a bottle baby bison. It does happen, but it's not very common. Well, if you ever get one, I'm driving up to Marathorpe so I can bottle feed your baby bison. <laughs> the Rural Woman Podcast is supported by Local Line. Who is Local Line? They're an e-commerce platform for farms and local food suppliers so you can sell online and save time managing your business. They also have a completely free website builder that you can use without even having a local line account. Here are some great tips the experts from local line shared for helping your online store generate sales. First, have a catchy and consistent branding. Your brand should match your products and be easily identified as yours. Second, Complete your about section so you can share your unique business story to current and future customers. What sets you apart from everyone else? Your customers want to know. Third, product descriptions are really important. Make sure they're descriptive and include keywords like organic, grass-fed, or gluten-free if it's applicable. And lastly, include pictures. 75% of shoppers rely on photos when deciding whether to purchase, and 63% say images are more important than product descriptions. These tips are more than just great suggestions. They actually work. River Bell Market Garden in Dresden, Ontario increased their sales by 42% the year they started using local line. So stop using phone calls and a notebook to manage your fulfillment and get yourself set up with a website and an online store. Instead of their standard seven-day free trial, Local Line is offering listeners of the Rural Woman podcast a 30-day free trial of their software and a free premium feature with your first year subscription. Visit go.localline.ca slash ruralwoman to get started. That's go dot local line dot ca slash rural woman and start taking control of your business. So what have you found the market is like for bison meat? Is it a popular meat? Is it gaining traction? What has been your experience since 2013 in, in producing bison meat? I think for like the first couple of years for us, we were more focused on growing our herd rather than making meats available to the community. Right now, it is pretty crazy. So on like a local farm gate level, the demand is crazy. Like we cannot even keep up with sales. Basically, as soon as we harvest bison and can get it back from the butcher and it's into our freezer, it's sold out. But on a higher level for the entire industry, for bison producers, it's hard because it's a niche market. Our industry is hurting a bit because it's such a niche market, because it is something that a lot of restaurants and stuff want, that there is a lot of bison sitting right now in feedlots and stuff like that, and it's just hard. Like, so on a smaller level for people like us, it's taking off like crazy. Like we can't even keep up, but as an industry, as a whole, we are having issues just as every other industry is. For sure. Well, and especially now we're recording this at the end of April and everything that's happening with COVID-19 and the food market in general and the supply chain management, all of the things 
is a big problem right now. So I'm glad to hear, though, that your direct market sales have been going very well. Absolutely. So typically, like, if you look at us for as small producers, typically for ourselves, we will sell one to two animals per year by the half or whole when it comes to bison. And in the last two months, we have sold probably eight animals, and we're selling them by the cut. And as soon as it gets into our freezer, it's gone. Like, it's crazy. I've never seen anything like this. The amount of people that want local meats and are supporting local farms and producers as a whole. It's amazing for the agricultural industry what's going on right now. We needed this. Right? Yeah. Like, in a way, I kind of feel like we needed something like this to happen so that people would know where their food was coming from, regardless if it's a small farm or if it's a larger producer. We're all tirelessly, like, working to get food onto people's plates. For sure. And I think, like, the local food industry is just blowing up, and I think it's you know, nationwide, at least in Canada, and I know it is in the U.S. as well. And I think it's super important now for us to be sharing our stories and, you know, getting our names out there as local producers if you have something to sell directly off of your farm. And my hope is that after all of this is said and done, that their customers and these people keep on continuing to support their local food market and, you know, overall think about, the bigger picture and the bigger food markets that are out there and, you know, kind of be more understanding and more educated around, like you said, where their food comes from in general. Absolutely. I see a lot of people, like for us as small producers, a lot of people are constantly messaging us like, what's the total of my order? Like, what's going on there? And like my main thing is, is that our animals come first we come second and orders come next because if we're not taking care of these animals in the way that they deserve and respect and have value on their life, then we can't get food onto the tables that people need, right? And it doesn't matter what type of agriculture that you're in. (laughs) Like that's what we're seeing. And like the influx of meat orders and stuff that we're having right now is astronomical for people like us like especially in this time like both Chad and I are not working and we are counting on these meat orders and the sustainability that is coming off of our farm and it is amazing to see people connecting with local farmers regardless of how big your farm is because in times like this farms need support. Absolutely. So let's go back to something that you said before about your animals coming first and everything. I want to know more about bison. So when your animals go for harvest, how much do they typically weigh? Everything that we sell by the cut is under 30 months. So like a UTM animal under 30 months. And they typically weigh on the rail about 500. The last one that we just harvested was 541 pounds. 
on the rail. So that means that that is the carcass weight of the animal. So that is without the head, without the hooves. That is just the bone and the meat without the hide as well. So that is a pretty large carcass. Absolutely. And is there a market for the bison hide as well? Absolutely. Yeah, we actually get a lot of people asking about that. We plan to do a tanning course actually on our farm this summer just to teach people how to harvest the hide from start to finish. And we don't know what that will look like now with everything that's going on, but there's definitely a market for that. We like to try to use every single part of the animal when we're harvesting the animal. So even if the rest of the carcass, like the bones and stuff, get made into dog food or whatever, it is completely used from start to finish. And that can even come to, like, the brain matter of the animal can be used for tanning the hide. Very cool. Well, I hope that you're able, even if it's not this summer, but hopefully soon that you'll be able to do one of those courses because that's very cool. That's very neat. Absolutely. Yeah, we're really hoping to get that done. That was in a partnership with Wild Fiber Farm. She is very local to us, and she does a lot of uh, natural hide tanning. And so she is going to come out and teach a whole bunch of people how to tan a hide from start to finish. And we're just going to do it in different stages and have different hides in different stages so that we could learn in just one day because it's a pretty long process takes like over a week to do one hide typically but we're just going to have different hides in different stages so that we could learn all in one day all together shop wild rose farmer is an online store specializing in apparel and accessories for the fine farming ranching and homesteading community that we are blessed to all be a part of the shop includes quality graphic t-shirts that i promise are going to be your next favorite shirt Plus, we can't forget the tank tops to even out those farmer's tans that you're going to get from your new favorite tea. Plus, hats, crewnecks, mugs, and more that you are just going to love. Your purchase from Shop Wild Rose Farmer directly supports the Rural Woman podcast. Join the Wild Rose Farmer community email list and receive 10% off your first purchase. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com shop to check out the new latest and greatest designs. So what other enterprises do you produce off of Backwoods Buffalo Ranch? So we have a quarter horse sector. We raise like prime wave horses, but then we also raise pastured pork, which we're super proud of. And it's so funny. Someone came to our ranch the other day and was like, oh, I didn't realize you guys were hog farmers. And we're just so humble, I guess, in the way that We don't want to be like, oh, yeah, we do this and we do that. But we're like, oh, I guess we are hog farmers. We currently own 39 hogs and we cannot even keep the meat in the freezer. Like, and we are just turning it around. And so all of our pork is pastured. We raise them all outside all the time. We have three different pens currently right now. So they have adequate water and then... In the wintertime, they get, like, oat bales and, like, a little bit of grain for sustenance 
because they need it. They need to be fed. And then they get scraps and stuff from the house, and they love it. And then we also raise chickens for mainly egg production. So we have quite a few chickens. I don't really like to say how many because Chad would get mad at me. <laughs> but uh, I currently have three coops, and we raise quite a few chickens for eggs. And then we recently got into meat birds. So we bought, I think, 50 meat birds, and then we wanted to see how they would do. So we just currently posted them up for sale, and they sold out within an hour. So I, I bought a whole bunch more. So I have more chicks coming in tomorrow to fulfill all of those needs just from our small family farm. That's amazing. Lori, that is so cool. How have you found the whole marketing off of your farm process to be like? Has it been difficult for you or has this just been something that has just come naturally to you? Because I know the marketing part of farming sometimes is very tricky for some people. Right. Okay. So honestly, in the first couple of years, because we started our ranch about seven years ago, I found it difficult in the beginning because I was like, oh, there's so many things to learn. You can't just sell me and do it, right? You can't just do it overnight. It's taken us seven years to get to the point that we're at right now. And I couldn't be more proud, honestly, to be in the situation that we are right now. We have gotten so, like, relationships, built relationships with so many local butcher shops around us, and we are so thankful to live in an area where there are so many inspected facilities. We are so lucky because we have built relationships with these butcher shops. All of our meat is inspected. We have gone through the whole health inspection side of things as well so that Everything that we do is completely legal through the government, and that is amazing. I do find that growing a huge social media following, not a huge social media following because ours isn't huge, but like growing a social media following is a really like huge aspect in the way that we market our meat. So a lot of the time, we'll just let people know that we're going to a certain area to do drops. So if people haven't emailed us or something like that, we just let people know that we're coming, and then people can put in last-minute orders. And we find it really, really awesome in that aspect. Like, social media is amazing. We also let people do, like, farm pickups and stuff like that. But at this time, we're not... I guess because of COVID-19, it's a little bit sketchy right now for farms, letting people know that you have a lot of resources, right? So we're not really letting people do farm pickups at this time because we just don't know if we want people to know where we live in case people are looking for sustenance that we potentially have, right? So we're offering local like door-to-door drop-offs we keep telling people like leave us a cooler on your doorstep we'll put your meat in it or we'll leave a box on your door and we'll text you when it's there and people are so happy and like we always just say like open up the door and give us a wave and 
we'll be there. And a lot of the time that people do that and it's amazing. Oh, that's good. And like you mentioned about social media and getting your name out there and everything, I think it also helps people connect to you personally because I know I follow you on Instagram and the stories that you share of you and your kiddos around the farm doing your farm chores and stuff every day and it helps people connect with where their food is coming from. So I think that's a beautiful part about social media too. Absolutely. We believe like our number one thing I guess coming from our farm is connecting people to the food that they are eating and letting them know the family that's behind it and raising it because you can go to a grocery store and buy food and have absolutely no story behind it. But the beautiful thing about it is if you buy from a producer such as ourselves or even a bigger farm, there is a story behind that regardless. And you need to connect with that local farmer. And, like, that's what we like to do. Put a face to the food that you're actually eating. Know the people that are raising that food, that are going out every single day, doing the chores, you know, building the fences, and then ultimately getting that food onto your plate. It's a beautiful thing to have that connection to the food that you're eating. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your future plans for Backwoods Buffalo Ranch? So our future plans are we are hoping to open a farm store on our ranch, and we just think it's going to be so cool. We want to support other local producers and other people in our industry that maybe don't have the marketing tools that we are currently utilizing or the connections on social media that we do and we want to showcase their products in a way that's local so that people can have that face and do that so we are hoping to open a farm store on our property and let people come here see the animals see them in their environment and see exactly how they were raised pick up their meats pick up their veggies and just be here. Come, come see. Like, that is our number one thing that we think for Backwards Buffalo. Like, I think it'll be amazing. That's very cool. And, yeah, like you said, it would be very neat to be able to go out to the farm and see the animals. And not only because, you know, that's a great way to connect to your farmer and your food, but also you get to see a bunch of bison, which you don't get to see every day. <laughs> right? Oh, Chad loves that. Like, Chad's number one thing, every time someone comes to pick up meat from us, like, locally, he's like, oh, do you guys want to go see the bison? And he'll just take people in the pickup and take them out for a tour. And, like, he is just so good with the bison. He is just so good with the animals and that aspect of our ranch. Like, I am more like the social media kind of whatever, like, the mom, but he is just, he loves his bison, and it's so cool to see him go out in the truck, take people out, and people are just, go crazy, like, and it's so crazy for us, because we're around them every single day, so we don't think anything different, and to see people see a bison for the first time is unbelievable, like, they're just, ah, they love it. That is so cool. That is awesome. Lori, it has been so wonderful 
talking to you this evening. I just love your energy and I love your spirit and I just love the uniqueness of Backwoods Buffalo Ridge. My last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rancher for you? Oh, my goodness. I think connecting people to the food that they're actually eating, seeing that food go on their plates, people sharing it with the world, and then also watching my husband be so proud of what we have built and my children raised within it. There's something about watching, like, little Hayes out there in his stroller just revved up looking at the chickens and Oakley just so stoked and excited to go feed the pigs. Like, it's just a family affair. And that is the best, most rewarding thing. And it's just like, I feel like we've worked so hard for what we have and we're living the dream. Like, we are literally living the dream. That's awesome. I love it. So good. (laughs) So, Lori, for the listeners who would like to connect with you online after the show, where can they find you? They can absolutely find us at BackwoodsBuffalo.com, which is our website, and then on Facebook at BackwoodsBuffaloRanch, and on Instagram at BackwoodsBuffalo. Perfect. And I will link all of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Awesome. Thank you again so much for joining me on the Rural Woman Podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored and so stoked for people to learn more about bison. Woo! (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at wildrosefarmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.